You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. We've got another very important conversation coming up that I think is going to dispel some myths on the part of uh, the general public when it comes to caring for those who have been dealing with being involved in sex trafficking and being cared for through faith-based organizations. So really want you to hear what we're about to talk about. And to dive into this, we are being joined by Jean Allert. She's with the Institute for Shelter Care. And in 2022, they had published a report with the results of a national survey on trafficking cases. And there was a question about whether or not these types of shelters that are faith-based are forcing religion upon those who they are rescuing. And it is a good news report, trust me. And we're excited to kind of go through and hit these key points about this study. Good morning to Eugene. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning and thank you. You know, there is that kind of narrative in the culture that really kind of puts a hand up to Christian organizations with this notion that, you know, they're there to, you know, whatever it is, if they're providing food or if they're providing clothing, shelter, if they are rescuing, if they are providing uh, addiction services, that they're forcing religion upon the people that are there, kind of that captive audience mentality. But the Institute for Shelter Care's report actually refutes all of that with some very staggering results. Tell us about this report. Well, exactly. We wanted to tackle some of the naysayer questions with as much integrity as we could. And so we wanted to find out, are we restricting admission into faith-based programs based on faith? Are we compelling Uh, survivors to engage in practices that are either making them uncomfortable or fostering distress. And also we wanted to know, is any of this doing any good? Is it making any impact? We all as Christians can say the the value to our own lives, Um, but we wanted the survivors to speak for themselves. And so we engaged in this study that was a national study, completely anonymous. We have no idea um, who the survivors are, and that was by intention, because we didn't want them to feel in any way that they were beholden with their answers. So we worked through existing shelters and said, could we survey either your current residents or your former residents to glean from their experiences? We also designed the study so that it was very open-ended and survivors could write and say whatever they wanted. So we asked specific questions, but we also left it wide open. And one of the great surprises to come out of this study was how much they told us um, just in their open narrative. So what would be the, because I want to get into some of the specifics if we can, but in general, what would be the impact of this study then? Why conduct this how is this going to affect things going forward? Well, our part of that integrity approach was to say, if we were finding that we were doing harm, we needed to correct. If we were finding that we were restricting admissions based on any faith conviction, we needed to correct. And so we had to approach this information gathering with that spirit of, if we get feedback that's hard to hear, we have to be committed to changing it. 
And so, and there were maybe 9% uh, of one question came back and said, you really need to tighten up in this area. And so we are making concerted efforts to uh, advance the field to make those course corrections. Well, some of the key findings that you report in this study is that many of the survivors actually chose to apply for a faith-based program because they either wanted to reconnect with their faith or they wanted to become a person of faith. That's a pretty very profound statement that when I'm seeking out a program, I'm intentionally choosing faith-based because I either have a notion of my connection with faith or I desire to be that person. Share a little bit about some of those stories and the write-in comments and how that pertains to those who were seeking that intentionally. Indeed, 75% of the respondents said that it was their choice, so it wasn't compelled for admissions, but it was their choice to seek out a faith-based program. I remember talking with a law enforcement officer and he says, all we have in our state are faith-based programs. We don't have secular options. But if 75% based on this sample wants that type of culture and climate and environment, we need to make sure that those are protected. We heard comments like nothing else worked. I'd gone through seven other different programs and it was only the faith-based program that gave me freedom from addiction and a myriad of other things. We heard comments like I'd wasted so much time trying to find what the world could do for me and I needed a new approach. At my level of brokenness, surrender was maybe the only thing I needed. So it was really encouraging not only to get their answers numerically, but also to hear their heartbeat. Your findings also showed that 91% of survivors reported that they never felt pressured to engage in a faith practice. Talk about that a little bit, too, because I've, I've heard and this is just with people that I have been around, and again, I, I want to you know point out that um, this is my experience just in, in dealing with people and, and who have been skeptical and cynical that they they don't want that that religion stuff forced down their throats. They're going to make you do these things. And, and yet here, these are the findings from the survivors of sex trafficking that you've interviewed your, you know, your, well, you've, you've surveyed yourselves. These are the survivors speaking. 91% no. I never felt forced to do anything. I think what's really important for us to understand is we ask them what, if any, of the practices made them uncomfortable, and 65% said none, none of those practices made me feel uncomfortable. Now it's important for us to consider that we had almost 40% of this population had some faith experience. So maybe engaging in prayer or going to church or reading scripture was not foreign to them. So that wasn't an uncomfortable experience. They were just reclaiming an experience that they were already oriented to. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that. But I think it's also important for us to understand, and I had 13 years of doing direct service uh, in a residential program with survivors, that anything that's new is initially uncomfortable. You know, if we're going to go to a new church because we've moved, maybe in the beginning it's going to feel a little uncomfortable, but we acclimate. And I think what's important for us to understand about these findings is that these survivors are encountering so much newness in a program, maybe rest, maybe safety, maybe a regular meal, maybe not being abused, and all of that might be new. And and so we have to understand that there's going to be a certain level of discomfort with the healing process. 
I think one of my favorite comments to come out of here is we asked him, what was the hardest part about being in a faith-based program? And my favorite comment was, the hardest part is healing. You know, that is a obviously a profound statement, but along with that, there were some comments, too, that really just pointed to the fact that part of being the uh, being in a program like this, the, they say the hardest part is also just learning how to walk out the journey of the Christian faith, which is the same thing for you, for me, for Kelly, for every single person who is following Christ. That is the hard part. <laughs> that is the hard part, is walking out our faith. So there's not a delineation between them and us, what they've experienced and those who have not, right? Absolutely. And I think... What also rang true in the narrative part, and less so in the data, was how much being in the company of people who were in the same struggle of faith was valuable to them. Um, being able to realize that human that Christians are not those other people who are, uh, you know, in their holier than thou judgment seat, mm-hmm. but rather they're just in it with me. And we heard that phrase over and over again. Another one of my favorite phrases was saying, you know, I learned that Christians do blank also, but they apologize. And I thought, well, there you go. You <laughs> learned that we are more alike than different. And yet what we want to bring is that connection through uh, forgiveness uh, and grace. I think one of the things that encouraged me most that I, I read um, in the findings was that 92% of survivors who had been in a program a year or more reported feeling accepted, not feeling judged, as a positive contribution to their healing. And I think that's a thing that a, a lot of people, whether you know, you're in a treatment program or not in a treatment program, it just you know, a lot of people look at Christians in general who are not uh, exposed to any type of religion as being judgmental. That's what they're expecting. But now we're looking at treatment facilities, and I can see where and why people might be concerned about that. That was very encouraging to hear. They did not feel judged. Well, and especially, and let me just underscore what you're saying, not only is that probably the most common and trite adjective that's put on Christians, um, but for the exploited population, they're a disenfranchised population Mm -hmm. in general. They are separated from society, culturally, socially, you know, in terms of just norms. And so there's already a sense of, I don't belong. You know, just going off the study for a mm-hmm. minute, as I mentioned, I'd, I'd done direct care for 13 years, and the most common longing that I heard when I would ask survivors, what do you most want, was always the same answer. It was, I just want to belong. So to see in the report that people said, I finally feel like I'm part of a community, I finally feel like I belong, I found my place, you know, with Christ, boy, seeing that come to fruition was really gratifying. Well, one of the statements, uh, there there were two that kind of jumped out at me, where relative to this issue is that they said, I know that everyone has some issues. But there are truly some amazing Christians out there who inspire me. So that's the first thing, Mm -hmm. because most of the time, you know, when we hear these uh, accusations against faith-based programs, um, it's an an issue of they're heavy-handed, right, with their faith. But here we're reading the exact opposite. There's an inspiration. So inspiration only comes from doing good. And we see here 
in another comment, this person says, the fear had lifted. My ability to finally see the truth had come. My program saved me from the lifelong belief that had tormented me, lied to me, and kept me open to further attacks from the enemy. That is a very, very... um, It's just a very gratifying statement to hear someone who, regardless of what this person has gone through, uh, whether that was being trafficked, whether that was addiction, whatever that challenge was, there was a lie that they believed, and this program, whichever one it was that they participated in, transformed their life and spoke truth into them and has freed them from what bound them before. And that is what we are all called to do. This is what Christ did for us. Yeah, it's, and it's also so reflective, so insightful uh, from that, which is why we got excited about the, so much narrative from the survivors, uh, is that they, they truly showed that they had given thought to their answers, and they had really processed out what faith practices had meant to them in their overall healing. Um, we had a wide swath of survivors. We asked few demographic questions, but we had teenagers all the way up to late 50s. So we had a wide age range. We don't know the gender. We assume statistically mostly female. Um, but so interesting to see that even for the younger, because we did a little segment of the data based on younger ages, they likewise said they did not feel as though they were pressured. They did not feel as though these practices were foreign to them or were distressing in any way. And so I think that that speaks to also the um, welcome that shelters are offering in their programs, that they are laying out these as opportunities rather than compulsion. Will a study like this help at all as far as uh, as far as getting any and I don't know how these things work, Gene, so forgive me, but will studies like this help um, faith-based organizations that that deal with sex trafficking and, and helping the victims, will it, it help those organizations get any type of government assistance at all? Well, I don't know, uh, but I we do hope, you know, like Scripture says, be prepared to make a defense. We hope that this is part of a defense when we have other cultural problems like let's sort of squeeze the faith-based sector out of the human services mm-hmm. landscape. And we can say, well, statistically, that would be an error. And so it, it helps to make some of the position uh, more objective because we're just talking about data from the you know constituent population. So I think we hope that part of doing good research that we can verify um, helps to create an objectivity in some of these conversations. You know, this fun, this particular study was funded by one uh, gentleman who just believes in the work and believes in the faith expression of the work, but we didn't go into this with the idea of an economic return as much as a quell the negative voices mm-hmm. with with good information. This national study, um, I know that there are many people who work in the non-for-profit sector who listen to the program. Where can they get this report? Yes, we're making it available for free for anybody. It's on our website, which is Institute 
foodforsheltercare.org, and you will see that it is mentioned on the front page, but you can also go to our research library and uh, research tab, and you will see that it's called out specifically. From there, you can just download the report, and we hope you do. I'm so glad that you've done this because this is, I, I know that this is uh, dealing with a very specific area, but for Christians in general, this is such an encouragement to hear. It's an encouragement to me to hear. Yeah. I don't work in this sector, but I hear the negative feedback, and this is, like I said, it's just an encouragement. It is, I, I'm so glad that this was done. I'm happy to hear this feedback, and my goodness, I, we, we know how to pray for you, Um Thank you for sharing this this morning. Uh, one more quick question, Jean, if you wouldn't mind. I know that you had mentioned, and I, did, I don't know if you can talk about it or not, but you had mentioned that there were a couple of areas that they mentioned, they, or the survivors mentioned, that they felt, you know, you need to tighten up here or there. Where did they feel that we could do things better? We asked questions about how the agency would respond if you voiced that you were uncomfortable with a practice and certainly by law we are required as a faith-based organization to provide a reasonable accommodation and so we saw like we discussed 91 percent said that has not happened here i have not felt pressured but that still leaves nine percent that had said yeah there have been times now we asked specifically what are some of the practices and one was praying out loud uh initially feels uncomfortable and I'll tell you, uh, I can say that even in my own faith journey, that there are times when, mm-hmm. you know, you get somebody who's just there just going for 20 minutes, and you're like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can certainly uh, laugh, you know, at that and, and also understand how that could be. But also the issue of deliverance, and I think that was the only one that was specifically named as that was uncomfortable when my uh, shelter program um, engages in that. But interestingly enough, in the narrative, we had four respondents who said, um, I initially didn't understand it, but I wish I'd had more education about it. I Hmm. wish I understood it better. And so maybe the guidance to us in the shelter community and in any faith-based is uh, to slow down a bit and make space for questions and give some pace to realizing that what seems perhaps natural to us praying out loud or singing or raising hands in church might seem new to somebody else, and we could slow down a bit and perhaps be more instructive. You know, I have to uh, just smile at what you said, you know, praying out loud being one of those things that's pretty universal in our experience as Christians. There are times when we are uncomfortable with others, but two, one that made the list was confession. Confession Mm -hmm. of what I have done. And for every single one of us, that's a thing that just, we go, wait a minute, I don't, you know, all of us say that. So again, I mean, it just reinforces that, you know, those who have uh, struggled in this way, those who have had those experiences, again, as individuals made in the image of Christ, there is no difference, you know, there is no difference. And that truth, for them to understand that, is so vitally important. So praise God for the work that these organizations are doing. And thank you for the work that you are doing uh, in bringing light to that and really reinforcing, just as you said, because there is a bent to kind of push out faith-based services from the human services sector. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll just cap it to say the other piece that was so gratifying was to see how much they appreciated having been asked and to be a part of this conversation. And so we hope to do more studies like this. Well, we will be glad to hear about them when you do, if you are able to share. Jean Allard, um, Executive Director for the Institute for Shelter Care, thanks for spending time with us this morning. We appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.